This is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody welcome to the santita jackson show it is a joy to be with you today getting a little bit of feedback we're going to work that out it's wonderful to be with you we've got a lot to talk about today a lot to talk about and want to hear from you i want you to call me at 773-763-9278-773-763 wcpt and we of course are on am 950 radio the voice of progressive minnesota Let's talk about Africa today. This Africa-U.S. summit is monumental. Nearly 50 countries are there, more than 50 countries in Africa. Many people feel that America has missed a grand opportunity to become a partner in Africa, as uh, you see Russia and as you see China, who have been there for decades, quite frankly. Um, A lot of the freedom struggles, uh, breaking the chains of colonialism, were supported by Russia, down through the decades, while America supported uh, the British and the French and the colonizers. That's something that you need to be mindful of. But now we're looking at, um, and when you go to Africa, you see that the uh, African Union headquarters, which rivals the United Nations, in fact, it makes the United Nations headquarters look like a little teeny schoolhouse. It was built by the Chinese. So now... President Biden is saying, you know what, we're going to change all of that. We are going to uh, partner with you. And that's going to be very interesting. That'll be a very interesting uh, relationship that they've got to work out. We're going to see how that's going to work. Will the African nations be part, become part of the G20? Well, certainly the wealth of the Western world is built on African resources. Indeed, you would not have a mobile phone if you did not have Africa and cut deals with Africa, uh, with African nations that, quite frankly, disadvantage them. So we're going to talk about that today. And then what about these inflation rates? We've already been told that raising the inflation rates will take jobs away from Americans, and yet the Fed are going to do it again. So what is that? How does the Fed, how do these inflation rates impact you? And how are you dealing with these rising prices? I want to hear from, I want you to call me throughout the show and give me that. So we're opening up the phone line, 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. We want to hear from you today. We want to hear what you have to say about inflation. We want to hear what you have to say about uh, this new approach to Africa, this new approach to Africa, we get the sense that Africa is, oh goodness, they can't get it together. We've got to help them. We need charity. No, 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 no. We need parity because the fact is Africa is our creditor. We've given, they've given America and the Western world the bodies of Africans to build the Western world, their minerals, they still give them. Um, no, there's a lot that the Western, the Western world would not exist as a superpower that it is. Without Africa, so I'm going to talk about that today. I'll learn some things from some people who are who've been involved in the space for a long time. And we've got to get this camera together. I tell you that. In the meantime, let's get some of these headlines together. And um, I want to hear from you. I want you to call me at seven seven three. 763-WCPT, 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I'm going to get these together. In the meantime, in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 38 degrees. It will be cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 34 degrees. But you're going to have some snow in uh, heartbreak. Heartbreak. 
heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. France lost to who? They lost, well, no, France won over Morocco yesterday, two to nothing. But boy, oh boy, this is the first time an African nation had gotten this close uh, to the championship. It's very, very exciting what they have done. They have done a lot of great things. So you know what, let's get right to it. I'm very, very excited about what the future holds for African soccer and for Morocco and just for the whole continent. It's just great and for the Arab world. And, of course, France will be facing off against the world's best team, they say Argentina. So what's going to happen here? Don't know. We'll see on Saturday. That's when you're going to have the championship game. The Knicks won over the Bulls yesterday, 128 to 120. And the Clippers were triumphant over the Timberwolves, 99 to 88. The NFL, the 49ers will be playing the Seahawks later on tonight. In the NHL, the Golden Knights will be playing Chicago in Chicago. And the Wild, four, and the Red Wings, one. Tornadoes have left trails of destruction across Louisiana and the southeast. This storm system is continues to run from the west straight across the east through Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, and Florida, and on and eastward on more than 15 million could see severe weather today in parts of Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas. We are praying for them. The House of Representatives voted yesterday to pass a stopgap bill to avert a government shutdown at the end of this week. The White House's warning of a possible COVID-19 winter surge urging, urging Americans to gather and socialize safely with family and friends during the holiday season. Of course, you know we're going to continue to ask Dr. Shanina Nighting about that today. The U.S. federal government is suing Arizona for placing shipping containers at the U.S. Mexico border as a temporary wall, according to court documents filed yesterday. Ten years after Sandy Hook, progressives are leading the call for gun control. We still do not have a ban on assault weapons, if you can believe that. Nurses have had enough in England. Guess what? The largest ever nursing strike, the largest ever. Uh, Healthcare system strike kicks off today over their low pay, pulling for them. And this is chilling. The Republican Attorney General in Texas sought a list of trans Texans. Wow. It's an alarming attack on the privacy, safety, and dignity of transgender Texans, according to the ACLU. Uh, those are, I mean, despicable, disgusting, egregious, terrifying. Those are some of the responses. But Texas Attorney General, Republican Ken Paxton, sought to create a list of state residents who had changed their gender on driver's licenses and other Department of Public Safety records. Uh, wow. The head of the DPS driver's license division wrote to colleagues on June 30th, we need a total number of changes from male to female and female to male for the last 24 months. I'd just like to know why. I'd just like to know why. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson show. How are you? I'm about to fix this camera, but how are you doing, Pastor Brooks? Santita, I am great, grand, and glorious. And love All right now. I love that. Well, give us some good news today. Well, just very quickly before you get the good news, very, very quickly. Tell us about how we can get some food from you. 
Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. It's right off of 290 in Mannheim, right by Hillside. Every Tuesday from 5 to 7, we give away between two and $300 worth of food, food, good, ham, chicken, eggs, grass, tomatoes. You name it, and certainly people would say every Tuesday from 5 to 7. And on Wednesdays, we feed the seniors from noon till 2 because we don't want them out in the evening. And it's every Tuesday. So if you know anybody who needs food, Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, from 5 to 2 every Tuesday and Wednesday from noon till 2. Santita, Amen I'm excited to that. about Amen to that. Amen back. to that. So what's, what's the good news? The good news is I'm excited that no matter what's happening, we have direction. We really do literally and figuratively have direction when God is speaking to us in reference of our lives. The things you was talking about today, all of the stuff that's going on. I was going to a, a restaurant the other day in Santita. The restaurant didn't have no name on it. It was basically like, whoever go in there, that's who go in there. I said, whoa, not a criticism, just an observation. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Santita, if I had to use the thought this morning, reasons to prevail, reasons to prevail. Santita, a little bit of experience outweighs a whole lot of theory. And you cannot accelerate experience. When you can see clear in your personal life, the hard stuff, crazy situations, and even disobedience, one who knows God's word for themselves particularly, the word becomes one's lifeline and a tool that has never failed and never disappoints. Perfect example, when there are absolutely nothing you can do about something, simply letting it go works. I was reading something the other day, and it says, when words are not adequate, doing gets the job done. The Word of God says, cast your cares on me, or don't be worried about stuff you can't change, for real, for real. God's Word is obedience. It works things out without us or without you. Romans 8, 28 says, and for we know that all things work together for the good. To do what is designed to do without you, God's Word is already established. To do what Darius can't do, to do what Santita can't do, to do what the believer can't do. God has ways that's already designed his way at our disposal that's already scripted. There's a saying that if you have only a hammer, everything looks like a nail to you, and the way you'll do things is hammer style. And I'm not talking about the artist. But wonderfully, God is so God. Trusting him prevents us from hammering away at things that needs a screwdriver's approach. What makes you keep going up a daily? is the word you literally and figuratively have in your head and heart and how you weigh out all of your decisions and choices for real. When you're dealing with a situation and you are doing self-evaluation, your response to you to be reasons to prevail. Why are you doing this? What's your motive? What's the outcome? And even, Santita, if your hands get dirty, keep your heart clean. At the end of the day, make sure your answer is clear to you from God's word in your heart. Here are the reasons you'll need to prevail here. Your most greatest contribution to your life is not affections, feelings, and emotions. 
is one's intentional sacrifice to do beyond what you feel. And that's why he says, obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We need even to prevail the Psalm 84 and 11. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will I withhold from him that walketh upright reasons to prevail. Amen. <laughs> Spike Lee would say, do the right thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Everybody, the Tommy's reunion recording is out. Of course, Darius Brooks, you've got to get your will is what's best for me. What a blessing he is. Get on over to Grace Central. Uh, you'll get a word that will bless you on Sundays. And get over there on Tuesday. You'll get you some food. So many Americans need it. Don't be ashamed, everybody. And once you get your food... Get in that line and pass out some food to someone else. How about that? That's one of the lessons that I've taken away from my parents. My father, who had to stand in a food line at Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church when his scholarship money ran out, but he had to feed me, my mom, my brother Jesse, my brother Jonathan, and he was not ashamed to do that, even though he and my mother worked their way through school. Um, He now, every year, you know, through the holiday season, he is giving away food. Because we know what that's like, everybody. Love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. We've got Dr. Shanina Knighton with us today. Love you, love you, love you. Got Dr. Shanina Knighton here. We're so, um, so glad to have you always. So glad to have you always. I have a a question for you that's kind of uh, maybe what you're not expecting today. But as a healthcare professional, I have to ask you this. You know, we were all devastated to learn about DJ Twitch from The Ellen Show. Uh, we just saw him a few days ago dancing with his beautiful wife. We've seen him with pictures with their, with their beautiful family, and they were dancing and, you know, just getting into the holiday swing, and then he kills himself. Is there anything that we should be looking for, particularly at this time of year? I mean, as, as a nurse, as someone who's been a healthcare professional, are there any... Uh, when you when you see people, is are there any telltale signs? Is there anything that that kind of that jumps out at you? So there, I must say, were. And when I say were, Santita, there used to be classic signs of people saying, you know, like they have you go through, let's say, depression assessments of. My life is worthless. You know, no one loves me. No one supports me. Things such as I feel alone. People that start giving away stuff, um, Mm -hmm. like valuable stuff or like stuff to them that, you know, otherwise they wouldn't give away. So there's like a numerous amount of things that we see as being like cardinal signs. But the reason why I'm saying that, I can't even base it off of that anymore. It's because when we were looking at those assessment signs, we didn't really have, like, this heavy uptick, right, Um, in the use or understanding the unintended consequences of social media. As a result of social media being around, one of the things that even I noticed, and I know that it's out there, too, in the literature is the fact that when you are someone that posts heavy online, when you post heavy online, then people tend to think that based off of what it is that you're doing online, 
is applicable in your life. And so they tend to not check on you more because they feel like they're unconsciously already checking in with you. However, these individuals that are doing so are likely the ones that are lonely. We actually had that happen a couple years ago where a well-known club promoter here in Cleveland, long story short, has kids, um, well-known, great personality. When people go out and see him, like, they love to see him, all of that. He put a posting up on social media, and it said, long story short, take care of my kids. Um, I hope that my child's mother know that I love them since she tries to take my kids away from me, but maybe it'll be easier for everyone if I'm not here. And long story short, a couple hours later, he committed suicide. So, and so it is a real thing. And I think the thing is, is we don't check in with each other enough to understand like how people are really doing. And there's this assumption that problems based off of what it is have to be big or small and impact people the same way. So if, for example, someone gets a bad test grade versus someone that just had a death in the family, people want to base that off of their level of severity opposed to that person's reality. And so it's really being able to tap in and understand that all of us think different, we behave different, and we handle stresses different. And we have all different backgrounds, which may influence us in terms of who it is that we are as human beings. So things like that will catch people off guard because on TV, you see someone that might be happy, you know, like you see he always has had a bubbly personality on TV, want to make you laugh, you know, being there and being supportive, you know, of the host. And so you would look at that and someone say, oh, my gosh, that's a wonderful job to have that's a wonderful personality but you don't know what people are dealing with outside of that we're also dealing with the effects of covid where people have had to be housed you know isolated by themselves um deals that people would have normally got they're no longer um you know and when i say deals talking about contracts talking about gigs whatever it is that happens they may not necessarily get those now because of how social media has changed the entertainment world, just like it's changed healthcare and everything else that's around us. And so we don't understand how people are dealing with the fallout of COVID still. And so I just tell people, check in with people, understand that people have lost many loved ones as a result of having COVID. People are suffering from long COVID, which has been, you know, also a reason why people have committed suicide because of their quality of life. You now got medically assisted death, right? You know, which we talked about earlier this week. So it's just really tapping into people and understanding how they feel about the value of their life and the quality of their life. But the best thing we can do for each other is just let each other know how much we value each other. And so in that sense, Tita, because I know we're getting ready to end, I value you, you know, and I value the show, I value our guests, and then too, just even letting your guests know how important they are for tuning in every day because that's not something that people typically get it's not something that we hear and you never know how far kindness goes in someone's life that might be at that breaking point well i love you and value you because you're you you don't have to do anything else but be that and i want to thank you and let you know that i thank god for you every single day i'm grateful i'm grateful grateful and you know and everyone i just don't want you to 
Wow. Really make permanent, which is temporary. Even mental illness, that ebbs and flows. So text 988. If you feel you are in trouble, text 988. It's the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Text 988. You don't even have have to make a phone call now. Just text 988. And, um, and I want you to really, and let's just, let's check in with each other. Let's, let's check in with each other and make sure that each other is okay. And do not conflate professional success with personal happiness. It's just not true. It's just not true. God bless him and his family. And God bless you and yours. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow, girl. Love you. So important to say, Miss Wanda, sending you much love. Ashley King up down there in Memphis, back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. We're going to talk about Africa in just a couple of minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. 773-763-9278. Of course, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio. The voice of progressive Minnesota. I want to hear your voices today. What about this U.S. Africa summit? Traditionally, and when you get over to the, to the motherland continent, you will see a heavy Russian presence. You will see a heavy Chinese presence, um, and they are invested. They are investing um, in Africa, even as you see old colonial powers really trying to hold on to the power that they have. Mm. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And uh, when you see the African Union's headquarters built by the Chinese, it dwarfs the United Nations by many times. You say, what's really going on? Has America missed an opportunity to invest in Africa and not lord over Africa? That is the tendency of the Western powers, of Western Europe, to want to lord over Africa and Africa and the and India and South America and the, all these people of color, places where people of color reside, who have built the Western world, they're now pushing back and they're saying, no, we want partnerships. And so uh, America is looking at China, have business partnerships in Africa. They're looking at Russia. They've had longstanding ties, business relationships and relationships with the freedom fighters in Africa. And so now America wants them. They're like, you know what? Come on over. G20, you know, you want to be part of that? We want you to be part of that. Hmm. What are the perils? What What is the promise? of being part of the G20. What does all of this mean? We've got two of the leading voices, two brilliant minds, who are going to help us to wrap our minds around that. We've got Netfa Freeman, a brilliant organizer. Knew him a long time ago when he was at the Institute for Policy Studies, but now he is an organizer for the Black Alliance for Peace. And then, of course, we've had Nia Kwete on with us so many times, African specialist, came out of Trans-Africa, at least that's a place where he left a huge footprint, and um, been a professor at Georgetown, George Washington University, brilliant, 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 brilliant mind, and we're so excited to have them with us today. But first, got to get these vittles. Are you taking any more orders, Shapiro, for Christmas? Good morning, Santita, and we are in our final day. Tomorrow is the last day we're going to actually take orders, and we only have two slots left. 
So please, if you need something for Christmas, call us at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your turkey, your dressing, your ham, as well as your mac and cheese, your moscacholi, your greens and your green beans, as well as your sweets, your peach cobbler, your banana pudding, your Christmas cakes, uh, like the red velvet, the chocolate, the German chocolate, as well as also the pound cakes. So call us at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Love it, love it. I'm going to put my order in today. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I haven't done it yet. Oh, I was reading this paper, the second scramble for scramble for Africa's oil and resources. You would not have a mobile phone without Africa. Just wouldn't happen. The lithium, the cobalt, these key metals that are used to produce batteries, they come out of Africa. I mean, our tires coming out of Africa, all of those materials and more, not to mention the people who built the Western world. We all come out of Africa. So what's going on with Africa today? Why is America now having this U.S.-Africa summit? What does all of this mean? Ni Akwete and Netra Freeman, I need you to help me to understand what we're looking at today. Because now, uh, of course, the Black Alliance for Peace, you all have been looking at AFRICOM, which really was able to come to fruition in the Obama administration, right? I mean... African leaders pushed up against it, notably led by Muammar Gaddafi. But after his assassination, boom, you had AFRICOM. So now we have a large military footprint in Africa. Is that a good thing? Let's start with you, Nia Kwete. What about this summit? What is the point of this summit? Should we rejoice? Uh, should we protest? Or should we fall somewhere in the middle? Hello, Ms. Jackson. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And I want to sh- sh- do a shout out to my brother, uh, uh, Nespa. We've been uh, comrades in, uh, in arms on the same side on some issues like Zimbabwe. On others, uh, we have a brotherly uh, difference of opinion. Now, to, to the summit, I think, I, think uh, I fall somewhere in the middle for this reason. This is the second one that the United States is doing. President Obama did the first one in 2014. After him, Mr. Trump was very disrespectful to Africans. He called us vulgar names. He said all kinds of things in in private and in public against Africa. And so, no, what Mr. Biden is doing is not perfect. It has weaknesses and holes in them, but I prefer that the United States engages with, with, uh, with Africa. Now, once the engagement is there, it's up to us, the people, the American people, from all kinds of backgrounds, to hold Mr. Biden's feet to the fire, to make sure that he does the right thing. So I don't, I don't like what Mr. Trump did by ignoring and insulting Africa. So I'm glad that Mr. Biden is doing this, and I think he's late to the game, okay? One of the names uh, that you mentioned and which looms in the background, even though Mr. Blinken, the Secretary of State, says, well, we are not doing it because of China. China is like the elephant in the room. You know they're doing it because of China. (laughs) Yes, yes. In fact, I was telling somebody that as an African, Knowing the 500-year history of what has happened to black people uh, since Columbus, 
I think we need to learn from our history. I think that we should cut through the deception and the, and the lies and know what people are exactly about whomever we are dealing with. So, of course, they are doing it because of China. Uh, the thing, though, is China has been doing it for at least 20 years. They have done eight of them. Every three years they do it in China, then they do it in Africa. So the U.S. is playing catch-up. And yes, I don't think it's perfect, but I'm in the middle. I want Mr. Biden to do it, and we are holding his feet to the fire to do it right. One more thing. There are people like you and the Reverend and so many astonishing African-Americans. There are 40 million uh, people of African descent in this country, okay? This is like 15% of the U.S. population. China doesn't have that. And yet China is beating America in Africa. Imagine if China also had 15% of its population be of African descent. They would have owned the continent. So because the United States is a democracy, it's not perfect at all, but it has more democracy than China, it puts an onus on us, the people, to force the government, whether it's Mr. Trump, Mr. Biden, Mr. Mr. Obama, we have to force them because we choose them with our uh, vote. We give them our money. We have to force them to do the right thing. We have to force them to say we demand that you treat Africa where so many people in the United States, the people who build the United States, come from. You owe them, and a small part of what you owe them is that you treat Africa with respect. In addition, it's in your interest because all the resources that you mentioned, and people who also tell you, on the one hand, Africa is the is the um, uh, continent that has been populated the most. Scientists tell us that humans became human in Africa. So there have been humans in Africa longer than anywhere else. But today, Africa has the youngest population, the fastest growing, the most vibrant, energetic. So Africa is the continent of the future. So it's also in America's enlightened interest to engage with Africa. We, as an African, I can tell you, we don't want the Europeans. They've been doing things to us horribly for 500 years. I don't think we want the Russians either because I want, I as one African, I want democracy in Africa. Africa will be in big trouble if we don't have democracy. The Russians are not democratic. The Chinese are not democratic. So we need economic engagement, but we also need democracy, where radio programs like yours can be done by Africans and they don't get locked up because they criticize the government. Amen to that. Uh, well, we'll see. We will see. We'll see what's going to happen here. But, you know, what are your thoughts about this summit? Uh, just do you have any reservations? Do you, is, it, is it perilous? Is it promise-filled? Uh, Netfa Freeman, tell me. Uh, good morning, Santita. Good to have, uh, be back on your show. I do need to clear up something in the beginning. I'm still with the Institute for Policy Studies. Okay. Um, so that's why I'm, but I'm also with the Black Lives for Peace as an organizer. So it doesn't, it's not paying my bills. It's my commitment to the people. Um, <laughs> but um, I have one also. So, <laughs> yes, thank you. And then um, I, I see things differently. Um, I think, and uh, we, so Africa, I mean, the uh, United States is not um, playing catch-up, so to speak. It's trying to remake itself. 
So it has taken over as from the from European colonialism, which is you know under underdeveloped Africa and whatnot. It's taken over that role. Uh, when when uh, naked uh, when naked colonialism on the continent of Africa proved to be untenable because of the emergence of the people and, and independence movements and movements for decolonization, the United States has stepped in, and that's been the relationship. And and even when the uh, and we have to, it's very important to understand today what the U.S. is trying to do in terms of what its role has been. So thinking that is you know this thing is uh, something that should be done because it's, it represents some sort of good relationships with Africa um, would be a mistake. And we even see that United States role, and we, we actually need to, I think, be more critical of what form, uh, what we, how we define democracy. The United States, um, you know, I, you know I, I, we, we say these things about other countries. I really don't know what the structure is of decision-making in these countries. We know that the, that the United States often calls countries undemocratic, but here there's the, the people of African descent and black and brown and non-white uh, working-class people have only known fascism in this country. You know, we're repressed. We're, we're you know, disenfranchised from the vote. Our history, we have political repression with COINTELPRO and the assassination of leaders, and now there's mass incarceration. Um, there's the militarization of our communities by police. And, and what we see on the continent of Africa with AFRICOM, people are talking about the presence of China and, and, and uh, now Russia being all over uh, Africa, but the United States uh, has some sort of military, some form of the U.S. Africa Command, AFRICOM, in 53 of the 54 countries on the continent of Africa. They've militarized the continent. We can see, and this is the first opera- military operation of AFRICOM, was the decimation of Libya in 2018. They, the AFRICOM and the United States led that NATO destruction of that country. And we see it all, and now they're sustaining a drone uh, war and intensified the most intensified drone war uh, attacks that they committing in that country is in Somalia right now after having invaded Somalia in the 90s and overthrown the Islamic court that they didn't want to have and, and now make and creating a void that we see the emergence of Al-Shabaab which they claim to be fighting their solution they they create the problems after destroying Libya and doing this in in Somalia it has spread the, the violent extremism across the continent of Africa, and now they come in with AFRICOM and the claim that they're trying to fight this. And, it, and we've seen time and again that it's only intensified this destruction. China's doing none of this. This is not the doing of Russia. This is the United States doing it. And in French, France as its junior partner, this is why we're seeing the anti-French emergence, uh, anti-French uh, sentiments emerging across West Africa and different places were kicking out the French. And now they're, and they're actually quickly turning toward having an anti-Western uh, disposition that includes the United States on the ground in Africa. We're seeing young I mean, people, if we want to look at the the wishes or the sentiments of the the working class masses on the ground in Africa. It's not anti-Chinese. You know, it's, I mean, this, they're holding up Western flags in demonstrations against the West. And so, and so this is what's happened on the ground. Now, I'm not advocating that these coups, a lot of these coups have, have taken their military coups from military officers. They were trained in AFRICOM. They're training their friends of foreign legions. They've created an emboldened military class which is causing some of the destabilization and suffering that we see in Africa. The Congo, 
which they, the CIA, con, uh, was instrumental in the assassination of Patrice Lumumba and the installing of uh, 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 Mobutu Seso Seko. And over 30 years, they supported this dictatorship. And now they use the, uh, the proxies in Rwanda and Uganda, those militaries, to, destate, to continue the destabilization of the Congo, killing millions of people. They had killed six, over, six million people in, before in the last, I don't know how many years. And people, this really serious violence that the United States is, is complicit in, directly complicit in. Now, we, it would be folly to think that they're coming now with some sort of, you know, the, the, what they want is the continued rape and ex, exploit, hyper-exploitation of Africa. They've led... They talk about the predator, predatory loans that China mm-hmm. gives, right? And that, but what, what kind of, who's the most predator with the, the leading the IMF and the World Bank that has imposed a debt, a debt crisis across the continent with, you know, with exorbitant interest rates that, the, you know, that they can't get out and the imposing of what's called structural adjustment programs on the continent, not just this continent, but other places which, the, which require, they dictate the, the economic policies of countries, these structural adjustment programs saying, well, you have to privatize, you have to accept, uh, privatize things that are state uh, agencies and things like that. You have to accept foreign investment. You can't do things that are in the best interest of too many things that are best interest of workers. And you can't no providing universal health care, universal education, all that kind of stuff. You have to do these neoliberal policies. It's, this sure. is notorious. You know? And so we can't think. And the, the U.S.-Africa, we call it the U.S.-Africa Comprador Summit because that's really what it is. They're bringing the elite Comprador class to the United States to sit down. It's more, it's really tantamount to being really, I mean, if you want to be the more simple, simplest, uh, uh, sensationalist terms, I guess, in other words, simplest terms, it's a meeting between Uncle Tom and Uncle Sam to figure out how to continue the exploitation of Africa and make it look at and recover its image and his, and it's uh, trying to recover, but change, remake its image and its standing. The well, hold on, China, hold on. No, no, this net for you said a lot. And and I think you've said what needs to be said, because indeed I've got Renee and so many people on on the chat line who are echoing your sentiments. And uh, and, and I would like to hear yeah. uh, Professor Equete respond, yeah. because it is with awesome. that history that many African-Americans um, are. There's, not, there is not rejoicing. There is yes. skepticism. Uh, now, when you're in Washington, you're dealing with an elite class, the most educated, wealthiest, uh, probably wealthiest community in the United States. Certainly, one of the wealthiest, aside from Boston, and you know where you have these citadels of learning and power. Uh, but there is, there is a sense of trepidation, and then some people feeling very hopeful. They're like, well, you know, at least Africa is now being acknowledged. Professor Equete, your thoughts? Yes. Thank you so much. It's true that my brother Ness put a lot of stuff on the table. And let me say right from the start, many of the criticisms that he has, I have them too. As you mentioned, right now I'm on the graduate faculty at George Washington University. I teach a course a course I designed called 
Africa's international relations. How does Africa deal with the big powers of the world, the United States, uh, Russia, China, the Europeans, okay? And my personal, uh, um, I'm an activist, actually. The investors invite me to come and teach me, uh, share this, but I'm an activist. And my guiding light is trust nobody. Don't trust the Chinese. So when I hear arguments like the Chinese are angels, no, they are not. I was born in Ghana. Go to Ghana now and see what they are doing to the Ghana landscape. If the meeting between um, the United States and Africa's leaders, yes, there are dictators, I agree. Museveni, Kagame, Stisi in Egypt. They are horrendous dictators being propped up by the U.S. completely. I criticize them all. My children say to me, okay, that, that means we are never going to, to Rwanda. We are never going to Uganda. We are never going to Egypt. I have criticized them on radio, on TV. They know it. So I agree with that. But here is one of my points. If the United States meeting with Africa's leaders, and they excluded the coup makers. So these are leaders who were elected. Sometimes the uh, elections were questionable. But the U.S. also knows what happens with elections. These are people chosen by the African people. If you dismiss them as Uncle Tom's, you are disrespecting Africa, number one. Number two, they are the same people, the same Uncle Tom's that meet with China, and China has done it for 20-some years. So if it is wrong for the United States to meet with African leaders, why is it okay for China to meet with them? And I am telling you that China is doing the same exploitation of African resources. Admittedly, I want to be fair, because I'm looking out for my continent, okay? Like I said, trust nobody. I don't trust the West. I don't trust the Chinese. I don't have... Uh, um, you know, stars in my eyes when I look at the Chinese. They are coming in late. They've been, they've been there for like 40 years in all of our lifetimes. They are doing things as bad as in terms of extraction. And the point is, if an American corporation is doing something, as I said, it is up to me. I've been an activist based in Washington for 40 years, 10 years in Trans-Africa, 30 years in, and I'm watching who is abusing Africa, I, I, I scream about it. My point is, the point about democracy, and again, I appreciate Netflix's point that American democracy is, has a lot of weaknesses and flaws, and African-Americans know that better than me. I accept that. But my point is, this radio program is in the United States. It cannot happen in China. So when the Chinese are abusing Ghanaians, when they are abusing Kenyans, when, yes, they, may, they do make bad loans, but you are right. The IMF also does it. Ghana is about to sign an agreement with uh, the IMF that I'm not happy about. My point is, both all these great powers, they come in and they abuse Africans. They take our resources. We don't have the technology. Africa doesn't have the technology to live yet. We are stuck on earth with them, so we have to deal with them. But if dealing with Biden, where you have 40 million African people of African descent, including good brothers like, like Netva, who will call things out and who do their homework, I'm saying they criticize the United States, even though they live in the United States. I'm an immigrant. I've been criticizing the United States for 40 years. 
friends in Nigeria say to me, Need, do the Americans know you are always criticizing them? And I say, yes. And one of them said, well, and you still live there. You are either a very brave man, a very foolish man. The point is, I have some room, like pro- these programs, to criticize. You will not have that chi- uh, in China. Well, and as, I will tell you this. The, for- the, the argument can be made. Dissidents catch the devil over here, too. We just do it in a much smoother way. It's much, much smoother. You're oh, not going to get on, co- you're not no, going to be no. in corporate media, right? Um, you're not going right. to become a pundit on television. You're going to have, you yeah. have a much, much harder slog. Uh, but, like you said, we do have, no, we right. do have the space. What, what did Dr. King say? No, you no, have the right no. to protest for the right in the yeah, United no. States. You're going to be staying with us you're in the equipment, but right. I know Netfa is going to be leaving. I, I want to give the last minute to him, and I've got I promised okay. Netfa to have you back. Netfa, okay. your thoughts. Oh, you need me to leave? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, you know what? You can so, stay. You know, Bill Fletcher is going to be here. So just stay right here. I'm, I'm oh. just going to add. How about that? We will well, win by addition and not yeah. by subtraction because I don't want you to rush through. Because I will say this. Okay. What you've heard from Netfa Freeman, what you hear from Nia Quete, what you're going to hear from Bill Fletcher, these are all of our voices. These are our lived experiences. You as an immigrant, Mr. Quete, and having seen so much on the continent and throughout the world, you say, wait a minute. But in America, I don't think you all really understand. And you have the right to fight for the right. That's what Dr. King taught us. Netfa says, as someone who's, in a, who's a foundational African-American, he says, hey, 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 we've been catching the devil here for 400, oh, 500 years because we got here with the Spanish in the 1500s and the 1530s. And, um, and so, because we see a lot of immigrants come here and they say, well, you know, America's been very, very good to me. And then we see um, universities choosing Africans I'm not, I'm over no, I American the, students. I, I, I mean, it's... Oh, you know, no, I'm, and I'm only saying this as I go to the break. We're seeing all these. We're seeing all these games that are being played with everybody, and Africa is still feeding the world while Africans starve. <laughs> so we got to figure. We got to figure this thing out so that this U.S. Africa summit, uh, Africans need to win. That's what we're all trying to figure out. I think the. Professor Aquete and Mr. Freeman, I think we can all agree on that. We just want Africa to win. We want it all to be fair. We, we want it all to be fair. Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. More from the Santita Jackson Show. Boy, we're having a discussion today about Africa, the United States, and Russia, and China, and oh, my word. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about the USA-Africa Summit. What does it mean? Is it perilous? Is it promise-filled? <laughs> We've got a tremendous panel of talking with us about it today, and you all are wound up online. I want you to come over to the radio and call us at 773-763-9278 here at WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. We were Air America, but now we are the... Heartland Signal, the Heartland Signal, and then AM 950 Radio. I can't forget my brothers and sisters to the north, Matt and everybody, and Chad Larson and all my friends up there. Sounds of Blackness. I love Reverend McAfee. Spike, I love you, love you, love you this morning. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, and let's talk about this U.S.-Africa Summit. What does 
it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? It's got some of us feeling hopeful and some of us feeling like, oh, not again. Will this be the recolonization of Africa? I just have to put that out there. So we have to talk about that. But Niakwete, the professor from George Washington University, tells us that could happen. But we have the responsibility. We have the responsibility and we have the tools to ensure that that does not happen. Every great revolution in America has been led by black people. And we can make this happen, too. I believe that. I know that to be true. That is what history has shown us. So let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. Chicago, 38 degrees and cloudy today. Snow in Minneapolis, 34 degrees. Oh, heartbreak. Morocco fell to France, but this was the first African team to get to the quarterfinals of the World Cup of Soccer. Congratulations to Morocco. We expect to see great things from you in the future. France will be playing Argentina. Both the top teams, everybody, uh, on Saturday. Cannot wait to see what the outcome will be. The Knicks played the Bulls, and they bested us yesterday, 128 to 120. And and the Clippers, well, they took down the Timberwolves 99 to 88. In the NHL, the Golden Knights will be playing Chicago, and the Wild were triumphant over the Red Wings 4 to 1. Tonight, the 49ers will be playing the Seahawks. Tornadoes have left trails of destruction, according to the CNN report, across Louisiana and the Southeast, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, and Florida. And They are moving to Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas today, praying for all of our brothers and sisters as they are in the pathway of that storm. The House of Representatives voted yesterday to pass a stopgap bill to avert a government shutdown at the end of the week. The White House is warning of a possible COVID-19 winter surge, urging Americans to gather and socialize safely with family and friends during the holiday season. Everybody, hand hygiene is key, everybody. It's key. The federal government is suing Arizona for placing shipping containers, forming a wall at the U.S.-Mexico border. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show, as nurses have had enough in England and they have kicked off the first ever uh, strike against their health care system over low pay. Wow, everybody. So let's get right to it. I am so excited to have these persons with us today. They are absolutely brilliant. We've had Professor Nia Quete from George Washington University. He's been with TransAfrica. Indeed, uh, everyone calls him the African Specialist. And we just absolutely respect and adore him. I wish I'd had him as a professor when I was at Howard. But you were George Washington in Georgetown. Got to get you over to Howard. (laughs) And then, of course, we've got Netva Freeman, Institute for Policy Studies, an organizer for Black Alliance for Peace. They do so much work uh, helping us to uh, help giving a black voice to the peace movement. And Bill Fletcher, former president of of TransAfrica, indeed one of the leading voices uh, for justice for Africa all around the world. We are so grateful for all the work that you have done uh, through TransAfrica and that you continue to do, Mr. Fletcher. You've been listening to Professor Equete and Netfa Freeman, and you said, wait a minute i got to jump in here. So go on. Go for it. Your thoughts on the U.S.-Africa Summit and what you've been hearing. And thanks for having me on the program. I uh, just quickly, uh, to respond to your earlier points, I think that the summit has to be looked at in a couple of ways. One is as 
a reassertion by the uh, the U.S. of what the ruling elite sees as uh, its role in Africa, and uh, that is uh, particularly in competition with uh, the growing influence of China. And so, so I think that that this summit has to be understood. This is not some sort of act of charity or solidarity. Um, at the same time, I think that Biden's announcement of including the African Union in the uh, in the G20 is a very interesting development, and is a development that is largely the result of struggles that have been going on for years, uh, both in the, on the continent as well as here for a greater recognition of the role of the African Union. And I think that that's important. Uh, One final thing, though, about the the summit. This summit, as we've seen before, uh, when uh, when Biden had a summit with Latin American countries, there's this sort of cherry-pick approach that uh, the U.S. administrations regularly engage in where they'll have a regional summit and they'll invite some leaders and others. And uh, this is a game, and this is a very manipulative game. Um, and, and one does not have to agree with the leaderships of different countries, such as uh, in Africa, Eritrea, and, uh, or Equatorial Guinea, for that matter, to recognize that all of Africa needs to be represented if there's going to be a summit. Uh, just one final point about the about the World Cup. Um, while it was great that Morocco uh, uh, got uh, so far in this, one of the things that has failed to be discussed in that context is that despite all of the discussion of Morocco beating back against colonizers, Morocco controls 80% in Sahara. It is, in effect, colonized another African country. So while we applaud the, um, the, the victory up until yesterday, I think we have to always have in mind that this is a very mixed bag. And it always is, Mr. Fletcher. I mean, it, it is a mixed bag because you want to see these leaders recognized, but then when you look at their internal politics, you go, ah. I don't know, but, you know, it's like you're fight- we're fighting a lot of different fights on different fronts. Because the fact is, at the end of the day, these are the presidents of said countries. How will America relate to them? What should what should be the goal of this of this U.S. Africa summit? And what should we as members of the diaspora, as American citizens, what should we be pushing to make happen? Bill Fletcher. Um, I think that there's a difference between what the goal of the summit is and what we should be pushing. So the goal from the Biden administration is not going to be our goal. Um, Absolutely not. And, you know, and understanding that, you know, because we always have different goals, right? It's just like even with the civil rights laws and things like that. We had a certain set of goals and the government had another. It's like, okay. What should our point be, and what is their point? I I think that the African Union needs to be strengthened. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, that, to me, that's really central. The African Union needs to be strengthened, and there needs to be 
great efforts towards continental unification that begins with more regional uh, unification. I do not think uh, that, uh, I think there was a fateful decision made when the Organization for African Unity was formed, and it was a decision to accept the colonial borders. I think that Africa continues to be um, uh, held back by those borders, and therefore there need to be regional approaches to Africa's development, um, and that the U.S. should support that. Um, I think the second thing is that going back to the George W. Bush administration, there has been a continuous military approach in U.S. policy towards Africa. Um, you know, when Bush uh, announced his trans Sahel project back in, I believe it was 2003, 2004, um, there, w- there was an emphasis on fighting terrorism. Uh, when terrorism was not a major problem at that point, that poverty, you know, dictatorships, uh, a number of other things were central problems. Yet, you know, it's sort of like that saying goes when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And when you're operating the, uh, the way that the United States does when it comes to Africa, everything has a military solution, which in fact exacerbates internal contradictions. And I think we've got to be pushing uh, around that. And I think that we need a, a Congressional Black Caucus that has a much more developed policy towards Africa than it has. It needs to be prepared to speak out on issues like Western Sahara. It needs to be uh, uh, prepared to speak out on uh, helping, making offers uh, to assist in reconciliation efforts. The, the situation in Somalia, for example, uh, could, could use the assistance of the Congressional Black Caucus. I don't think it's enough to be thinking in terms of trade agreements, for instance. Uh, so I, I, I think that our approach towards Africa, progressive African-Americans needs to be reignited. Hmm. Net for Freeman, your response. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to piggyback off of a lot of what Bill said. I think um, the, uh, that the uh, interest and he said a lot there. I wanted to. I should have been taking notes on the points that were. So um, the interest of the leadership, and I guess I will also to respond to what was said previously. I think we, it would be a mistake for us to get into this uh, recognizing that the summit is a response, one of the responses by the United States to uh, to deal with this uh, increased. Um, Increased influence of the Chinese of China and and more so than and then Russia to a lesser extent on the continent of Africa and and uh, that is it's about that but she, we shouldn't make our positions on that about how much we uh, meet uh, in line with China or disagree with China or whatever um, we have to disagree with the United States. I mean, it's continuing neocolonialism. Um, you know, all the you know accusations are thrown around. I'm not going to judge China's domestic situation. That ain't. That's not really for me, and and that uh, and it shouldn't be for any of us because we really don't. You know, the, the accusations don't mean anything. We do know that in terms of domestic policy here, the United States has the longest held political prisoners on the planet in the United States as a result of COINTELPRO. Some of them just being Matulu Shakur getting ready to get out in his old age, the inhumanity of holding him in prison uh, until he was on his deathbed, that being the prerequisite for him to be released. Uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal, 
Cynthia Alcoli. I mean, these you know, these they're now they're releasing people because they're ready to die, and that's what you know. The judge was sick enough to say the Matula couldn't get uh, released because he wasn't on his deathbed. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about here. We how how democratic the United States is. It's a democracy for the it's an oligarchy. It's a democracy for the rich, not the rest of us. But then, and we have to look at, recognize those things are important if we're going to recognize the nature of it in terms of it's doing something for Africa. And so, the uh, when it comes to the, uh, you know, it, so one of the things that we, I want to say when talk about is that we've been dealing Black Lives for Peace has been coming together. We had our own summit type, and we've been invited to speak on some uh, uh, forums about this summit largely held by people on the continent that are in the United States, have presence in the United States, but they're from the continent, and they have a different uh, perspective of this. One of the things they say in terms of looking at the relationships between uh, Africa and the U.S., I mean, yeah, uh, China and the U.S. in terms of African interests, and this is, I think, very key in how we need to deal with it. It's reminiscent of something Kwame Nkrumah said long ago when they asked, are you going looking east or are you looking west in terms of the emergency? He said, I'm looking forward. And that in this, uh, I'm not looking east or west. I'm looking forward. What's in the best interest of Africa and, and colonized people? The people in, the, in these alternative summits said the same thing. One of them talked about us needing the reemergence of a non-aligned movement that we're looking at the, dip, uh, the the record of each and figuring out how to deal with each based on our own terms and what's in our best interest. If, if, if we were to look at China, China's not, it's, it's giving loans to Africa. He wants to say it's, it's so bad, it's colonization. It's not gangsterism. It's, bi, it's, it's bilateral agreements. Maybe they're doing their own uh, interest and maybe sometimes they're not on, uh, in the best, maybe they're not the best deals, but that's where the class question, the class struggle among African peoples is important. It means that the compradors ain't working out no deals. They're not being forced into them like the United States will do using the financial institutions and using militarism, right? We just got finished, and it's interesting, it's, it's important for us to talk also about the Congressional Black Caucus, which are really domestic compradors in terms for them by and large. I don't want to, you know, condemn everybody, but just let's just face it here. They're not standing up to uh, talking about AFRICOM and the proliferation of militarization on the continent. Gregory Meeks just introduced a bill that was designed that got passed in the House. People didn't, they all voted for it, or most of them voted for it. The malign, countering the malign influence of Russia and Africa Act, an act designed in the face of this stomach. Now they're acting like they want partnerships. Designed to tell, to dictate the terms of Africa and vis-a-vis what they, how they vote or how they, the relationship to Russia. And if you don't, if you either with us, quote unquote you with us or you against us when it comes to Russia and and this bill is designed to to make you comply with our issues i mean where's the sovereignty respect for sovereignty uh, i mean bills passed in congress and then passed in you know if pushed through the senate legislation designed to undermine the sovereignty of African countries when they bring them together here for these things. So we do need a class struggle in Africa. That's where instead of judging, you know, talking about what China's doing, we got to have a hard line on how do we uh, present, create a foundation that recognizes the interests of the working class people and the masses on the ground. I mean, whether the, the recognition of the African leaders is not so important, we need the recognition of the people on the ground who are calling for a different 
situation. I mean, we, we can, I mean, I'm, it was mm-hmm. it said that I, it was disrespectful to say it was Uncle Tom and Uncle Sam, but I mean, the people in Africa are talking about the unpopularity of the leaders, how democracy and all that kind of stuff. It's not just a vote. It's not only merely a vote. It's how the interests of the people and the human rights are, are recognized. Well, you know, I just think that we have to be very careful to paint with these broad brushes. I mean, I'm hearing you. I hear you. But there are so many nuances. And it's one thing to run for president. It's another thing to take the oath of office. And it's it's another thing when you get in the seat and see all that you have to deal with. I mean, because I've seen so many people who really are are revolutionary in their thought and in their actions and in their intentions. And then they get there, and you find that there is um, a ruling class inside of government. This deep state thing is real. There's some people who are there, whether, whoever's president, whoever goes in, and they really do run things. And I think that we have to really right. understand the nature of power. Because, you know, my father... No, yeah. No, no, I mean, because I, he's often said to, said to me, just remember, we were in slavery longer than we've been free. So... Even our understanding of power is fairly new, fairly new, fairly new. But we've got to go to. Um, I, I want. I want to get uh, Nia Quete in before we go to break, Professor Quete. I've got about three minutes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Bill. Um, I. You know, uh, it was mentioned that there've been side events on the ahead of the summit. It is true. I organized one last Friday, um, and. I was also a panelist. I organized it. I like what Bill said about strengthening the African Union. The keynote speaker I invited was used to be the number two at the African Union. So I brought him to talk about uh, uh, where um, U.S. What Africans would like to see from the from the United States, especially from the African Union. I was also a panelist. I talk about U.S. military engagement with Africa. And I said exactly what Bill uh, uh, has just said, that the U.S. should support the African Union, and the African Union then work with the regional organizations so that they deal with the issues of, uh, uh, of security and of people being killed. Because as we speak, people are being killed in Africa, and the Western media does not cover it. But in terms of what I had said about China, Netflix says, well, it's not his business to check out what the Chinese are doing domestically. Actually, I think it is my business. If people, if people, if people are coming to Africa to woo Africa, I need to check each of them out, their strengths, their weaknesses, where they lie, where they tell the truth. I want to do that with the United States. I am very respectful of the African-American history here. I'm learning every day of the horrendous things done. But I'm saying you also have to check China out. You can't assume that they are wonderful people. I'm from Ghana. They are there now. They are poisoning the, 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 the forest. They are taking the bauxite. They are abusing Ghanaians, Chinese have been known to pee into water uh, buckets that Ghanaians uh, uh, um, drink from. I am old enough that I met Kwame Nkrumah when I was a kid. I was taken to his house. I, I walked by, Lumumba and Nkrumah walked by me. So I know what these people stood for. And as you said, Nkrumah said, neither left nor right 
forward. That means check out the right, check out the left, and do what is good for Africa. And my point is, if you say that the United States meeting with African leaders is Uncle Tom meeting with Uncle Sam, then I'm saying, but the Chinese have been meeting with the African leaders. This is America second. China has done it for eight times, more than 20 years. Why is it okay for the Chinese to meet with the African Uncle Tom that you are talking about, but it's I'm wrong for the United States to do it? I've got 30 seconds. I'm talking about a meeting. Um, it's not a meeting that's bad. It's the relationship. And China just relieved the debt of several African countries. We're not talking about that. United States, we're talking about the re- neo-colonial relationship of the U.S. that's not changing toward Africa. Well, um, like, like Santita has said, we will need much longer time to talk about these issues. And I think we should. I think we should because there are 1.4 billion people on the continent of Africa. You've talked about the poor people there. I agree. Uh, absolutely. I talk to my relatives and uh, every day. I've talked to people before I got on the air today because they are five hours ahead. I've talked mm-hmm. to people in Malawi. They are seven hours ahead. So I have an ear on the ground. I was born in Ghana and I have studied the United States and I'm looking at both. And I'm saying to you, we have to, we cannot assume the Chinese are perfect. Okay? We cannot. We you can hear me say that. We have Stand we have by. Hold on. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Oh, I love this. Spirited discussion, which we need to have. We need to have it. And that's why you're having it on the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, I don't mind disagreements. I don't mind just, just as long as they're not disagreeable. We can do that, and we're mature enough to do that here, and we're going to hammer this out because we need to have this discussion right here, right now. Bill Fletcher, Niaquete, and Natha Freeman on the Santita Jackson Show back in just a minute. is the Santita Jackson Show. Oh boy, oh boy, we have had quite the discussion and we are having it. It's a passionate discussion about really about this US Africa summit and really which way how we should approach how we should approach Africa and how we can protect Africa. Particularly those of us who are from who are part of the African diaspora, but I think that all Americans have should have something to say here, and um, and let's talk about this, everybody, on uh, the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT, and let's talk with Bill Fletcher, the former head of Trans Africa, and the uh, Niaquete. Professor Niaquete from George Washington University. He's been with South Africa, Trans Africa. Once you're with Trans Africa, to me, you never leave. You can't. And Netfa Freeman, Institute for Policy Studies. And of course, you've been there too, Mr. Professor Equete. And he is an organizer for the Black Alliance for Peace. Um, was it you, Mr. Fletcher, who wanted to respond to the spirited discussion that we've been hearing, uh, Brother Freeman and Brother Equete, in, uh, in, in which they have been engaged? Yes, no, absolutely. See, I think that uh, I have to actually disagree with Brother Nefta um, on one part of this. I think it's an obligation to not be agnostic about the internal affairs of other countries. 
um, because one has to always look at uh, what's going on there. What does it say about that country? And what does it, what potential ramifications does it have for the rest of us? Um, but when I look at Africa and the issue of China and the United States, I think a lot about subprime loans. In other words, uh, I remember before the crash, the various phone calls that were being made to black folks in particular, and the offers were often wonderful, wonderful. Just you could you could virtually just uh, have a truck drive up and give you the money, except for one thing, the the the, the, the fine print. I think that the issue with uh, with China and Africa is that we're looking at a very different China than once expressed solidarity with peoples in, in Africa that supported national liberation struggles, uh, that helped to build the Tanzam Railroad. We're looking at a China that is operating on a basically capitalist uh, basis, and the conditions that they're offering countries in Africa are sometimes better than offered by uh, the United States, but they're also pay- turning a blind eye towards any internal issues in those countries, uh, the nature of those governments. And, and I think that it goes, it, I mean, this is where I think what you were saying, after, there's a little contradiction because you're right, there's class struggle going on in Africa. There are different governments that are trying to make use of competition between China and the United States to get the best deal. That's fine, as long as you look at the fine print. And when you look at the fine print, you start seeing the kinds of things that Nia is talking about, not just in Africa, but you see this in Asia, in terms of the types of agreements that the Chinese are signing. So I think the idea is that one has to look very carefully at, at what's going on and understand that Africa being so resource-rich is a target for capitalists, whether they're coming from China or from the United States, and that we need to be supporting the people there on the ground that are fighting for self-determination and for alternative economic development. Well, really is our role. Well, yeah, you're, you know, you're saying you disagree with me, but you're just repeating what I said. And I never said not to deal with the agreements, you know, or that China is perfect or anything. I know you didn't say I said that, but that's being characterized. That's exactly what I said, that we need to be determining things on our own terms. Um, and, uh, you know, I, in terms of judging China, I mean, sometimes I just say it's a disposition. And I'm not talking about um, I was responding to how Nee's talking about it. In other words, if you don't support the Biden administration, then you must be supporting China and China. Is you know all good? I'm saying we need to be we need to be reemerging. I said it a, a non a non-aligned movement. We need to deal with the class struggle in Africa, which is at the nature. If we were to decide which is better, then the gangsterism of the U.S. you know can't match the at least uh, there's a bilateral nature to the agreement between Africa and China. If even if they're not in the best interest, that's because of class. Um, those who are working the deals aren't. But the, but you know, you know, Bill, that the United States doesn't stand for stand for that. They will destroy your country if you stand up against them. And we have they have to be called out for that. We can't now come and say that they're going to hold a summit that's in our best interest, and then they invite the same uh, class of those who've been presiding over the deals in both countries, and, and to try to shore up neoliberalism and then that class to buy them out. 
Well, you know, I don't think they ever said it was going to be in our best interest. We know that what America does is always in America's best interest, and it's our job to make sure that Africa is the winner. But, you know, but hold on. Hold on one moment. I know I want you to respond, and then I'm going to bring in Dr. Wolf, and I've got some callers who want who want to jump in as well. Sure. Professor Aquete? Okay, yes, just one point, just one point, mm-hmm. because we've had a lot of time and these issues are important. I just want to correct one thing that um, Netfa was saying that is my position, that if you uh, are not, if you criticize if you criticize what Biden is doing, or if you don't accept what Biden is doing, then then you are for the Chinese. No, what I am saying, and he's a non-aligned movement. I grew up when Ghana was gripped by the non-aligned movement and Nkrumah and Sukano and others, so I understand it. I put it this way, as I said, I tell everybody, trust nobody. Trust nobody. Africans should trust nobody. Everybody comes, like uh, Bill said, read the fine print. So I'm not against China. I'm not against the U.S. I'm saying we distrust everybody and we check because we've had 500 years of being abused. And if we cannot learn from that 500 years, then we have really big problems. Um, and where I grew up, I was told, you want to marry somebody, visit their village, visit their home, <laughs> check them out. So I'm saying we should check out the Chinese and we should check out the Americans too. We don't trust I anybody because with the African, uh, the African people. Well, you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to bring in Dr. Wolf because he's kind of standing outside of this, looking, looking in as an economist. And of course, you know his father, his father, Dr. Richard Wolf. Everyone here knows him and has so much admiration and, and respect for him. And you will have the same for this Dr. Wolf. The apple does not fall too far from the tree. One of uh, just brilliant, brilliant, insightful economist and social critic. This U.S. Africa summit. What do you make of it, Dr. Wolf? Before we go to the callers. Look, I think it's an interesting moment. I think we're a little late to the game here, right? And I think we see a little bit of an opening. So this sort of smarter part is there's a bit of an opening. The promise of China was greeted by many as this sort of different approach. And it's the same approach that every colonial group has had since come there. Sometimes the rhetoric is different. And there's one major difference, which is unlike the other colonial attempts, they're not interested much in the labor and so that's really going to bend things, right? Because they have a, their own surplus labor issue, may become a deficit, but they have no interest much in hiring people or transferring skills. In fact, they're pretty good at not doing that because they know how that game is played because they played it so successfully themselves. So I think that is the big difference here. But I think as we go into a 20, 30 year global transformation of the relationship between labor, skills, and capital, I would keep that very much in mind. I do also think that Africa as a prize for natural resources and as a market for goods is very important to everyone. But I think if Africa is to have the economic development she deserves and needs, she needs to fit into the global economy, not as a captive market and not as a provider of extracted resources. And so while there may be small differences, they're largely academic between the different interests other parties have. And if you rely on your trade partners to help your economic development, the story always ends tragically for you. Mm, Let me go to some of these callers. Jewel, you've been holding for a minute. Jewel from New York. What's on your mind, sweetie? Hi, it's Anita. It's me again. I just want to say... 
Yes. Jewel? Oh, my goodness. You know what? Put her on hold and make sure. Jewel? <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's all right. It's okay. Let's go to Renee. Renee, what's on your mind before you run to class, Madam Teacher? Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Um, Teresa, when I think about the United States uh, wanting to have a relationship with Africa, she just said, "Okay, Renee." Good morning, Sunita. It's me again. It's Jewel. I'm sorry about that. Okay. All right, I don't know what's going on. Well, Renee dropped. Renee called back with Jewel. Okay, you're here. Jewel, what's on your mind? Yes. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. It's been a while. It's me again. I just had so much stuff all these days listening to the wonderful conversations. And this is a fabulous conversation. I was watching it yesterday. And to listen to the diaspora from the expertise of these men is just something that a lot of people weren't even mindful of because we're so busy with the routine of everything. And sometimes these things just seem to happen and go by. Nobody knows what's happening. That's why it's so important that we tune into your fabulous show, Sunita. Thank you, Jewel. My gem, my dear, dear friend. I love Jewel. Thank you so much. You know, we're rolling with it. We're rolling with it. You know, it. <laughs> thank you so much. I love you, Jewel. And I love you, Renee. And I love all the callers. But let me let me switch back to my panel because I feel blessed to have Bill, Bill Fletcher and Nia Quete and Netfa Freeman. I want to make sure that we're singing from the same sheet of music here. Um, yeah. What what's what do you think is being lost in translation here, uh, uh, Bill Fletcher? With I mean, with Professor Quite and Netflix Freeman, because they all we all want the same thing. I do believe. I think that um, that there's a good deal of unity on this call. But that, but there are in fact shades of difference. So, mm-hmm. um, so for example, uh, one the thing I was taking issue with you, Netta, about was your comment about it's not up to us to be passing judgment on the internal affairs in China, and I think I just disagree. Just like I, you know, I would take issue with what is going on in Morocco, uh, and I would just I would as well take issue with what's going on in China. So I, I don't think we can be agnostic on that. But I do think that there's a lot of unity about the need for uh, African countries to develop strategies that are uh, uh, addressing the needs of African countries. But therein lies the rub. Who determines those needs? And that's where struggles going on within those countries become very important. The question of who is leading those countries, what classes they're leading, what social forces they're leading, whose interests they're leading. So it's not an abstract question. There is no abstract interest of uh, Somalia or of the DRC or of Ghana. There's no abstract interest. There's an interest based on the needs of the majority in those, in those countries. And I think that's where we're having some differences. Uh, and I think that there's also this question about how to relate to um, initiatives that come out of the United States. So, for example, do you, 
is is the right approach to basically denounce all of these efforts, or is there a way to engage any of these efforts, even if you're distrusting of the objectives of the United States? And I think that we have some shades of difference there. Mm, but, you know, let me ask you, Dr. Wolf, before I go back to the rest of this panel. Um, we have these institutions uh, that appear to want to work out good business deals with us, but they they've economically imprison the global south, the IMF, the World Bank, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is this an opportunity to uh, to change those relationships? Indeed, those institutions need to be changed or something needs to happen because they're not helpful. <laughs> they do not help Africans specifically to be free. They just further enslave economically and in so many other ways. Look, I think the institutions of the past largely do what they were designed to do, which is not necessarily help working people anywhere, north or south, global north or global south. I think some of the differences between the global north and the global south have changed. And I think how a country does to the extent that you can speak of a country without all the disunity and diversity that sort of sits below that artificial container of a country, right? The, the, the interests of the country are best served by where it fits into the global economy. I think we're still stuck on the who and good guys and bad guys. I don't think there are good guys and bad guys. I don't think the who matters that much, including to the elite who think that who they are, how they somehow deserve a position that I think we all believe no one should have. I think those differences are a little bit the older differences. I think the newer differences are, is there a path forward for people, a sizable number of people, on some at least quasi-meritocratic or need basis, to have a life with self-determination and dignity? And if there is, and if that opening gets broader, you're a good partner. And if there isn't, and that offering gets narrower, you're not a good partner. And the last thing I tell you is one of the lessons of history is the devil you know is not necessarily worse than the new devil in new shoes with a new haircut. <laughs> you know, Professor Equete, what do you want to, what is the path forward? What is the path oh, forward? I've got, I, about, I've got about eight minutes before we go, and I want to give each of you a couple of minutes to stretch out and and help us to understand how what the path forward is. And I promise you all that we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to have another conversation and other conversations like this specifically about Africa and what we're going to do about Africa, how we're going to relate to Africa, um, and, um, and be the best advocates for Africa. Professor Okwete. Yes, I, I think, and again, something Bill said uh, struck me, you know, um, we have to understand what's going on in African countries. So the best, the, the, the path forward is that we need to be well tuned in to what is happening in Africa. And I don't mean the presidents. I don't mean the elite. I don't mean the well-to-do. I mean Africa's uh, big, poor majority that struggle to raise their kids, struggle to put food on the table, struggle with all kinds of issues. We need to understand what they are going through and what they want because the the, 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 the elites don't always reflect them. In fact, they, they betray them. And at the same time, we need to understand very clearly what is going on here in the United States. And because there is some space, when laws are being passed, we can read them, we can push back, we can come on radio, 
shows like this. So we need to be well informed about what's going on really in Africa, what's going on really in the U.S., and then we push hard, as someone said, maybe it's Bill, maybe it's Nefa, maybe it's Dr. Dr. Wolf, that their agenda for doing the summit should not constrain us. We should have a good agenda. We should push back and change the agenda. And I don't have uh, rose-tinted glasses about American democracy. We just saw what Trump did. We just see all the things going on in the state. So the point is, what I have learned is, when the real American people, the grassroots, and they push, they can change what the president and the Congress and others think they can do, and this was the big lesson I learned from the 10 years that I worked at Transafrica as part of the anti-apartheid movement. Reagan was for apartheid, and he was forced. He, he vetoed the, the sanctions bill, and even people like Newt Gingrich and Reagan's friends came in and overrode his veto because there were people, and that is mainly African-American people on the streets saying, no, we want you to cut your support to apartheid. So the way forward is learn what's going on in Africa among the real people, what they want, learn what's going on in the United States, and then push, because the United States has a lot of power, push to make sure that the U.S. is pursuing the right policies and not something that Biden or Blinken or someone else says. Thank you. Absolutely. Netfa, you got two minutes. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to point out to the, the in this case, uh, I wanted to talk about the Black Alliance for Peace position. We work with, we have the U.S. of Africa campaign, Shut Down Africom. We have a steering committee for that U.S. Out of Africa network that are people based on the continent. This is what informs our campaign. And what's lost in terms of really this devil that we know being the worst one is the militarization of the continent. After the years of assassinating the moment CIA overthrowing, because we need to add the CIA to the, all the other alphabets we're talking about, the CIA overthrowing Akuma, all of this, there, now there's AFRICOM, the proliferation and militarization of the continent that is seeing, the, 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 the people in the continent are seeing suffering. We're calling for the complete withdrawal of U.S. forces from Africa, the closure of U.S. bases throughout the world, and the Congressional Black Caucus to oppose AFRICOM, the militarization of Africa, and conduct hearings on AFRICOM's impact on the continent with the full participation of members of U.S civil society, African and U.S. civil society, and people should check us out at BlackAlliancefreePeace.com and join this campaign to get the U.S. out of Africa and shut down AFRICOM, which is causing death and destruction to, to ensure, because it's not just about the military, it's also it's, a, it's an industry. Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Gunham, you know, uh, the, all of these co- military contractors are making money off of the death and destruction in Africa. And this is what's not going to be talked about at the summit. We want to make sure this is front and center. And this also should be telling us, uh, reveal the true nature of the interest and the agenda of the of U.S. imperialism and Western imperialism. If we're not talking about getting out, of, getting U.S. out of uh, shutting down AFRICOM and stopping, you know, and, and dealing with these things like the, you know, Libya and all of these adventures, Somalia, what they've done, these type of things, then I don't know how we can, um, you know, talk about which, you know, what kind of comparison that we're making here. Mm, Bill Fletcher. I think one of the central things, first of all, I, I want to thank you again for inviting me to participate in this. I think one of the central things we've got to do 
is progressive African-Americans need to meet with, interact with progressive social movements on the continent and engage in a discussion about what folks on the continent believe the role that the United States should play vis-a-vis Africa and not make a lot of assumptions. One of the things that U.S. African-Americans frequently do is that we look at the rest of the world through our eyes as people here in the United States and don't listen to and look at situations from the standpoint of people in other countries. And so I think we need to engage with progressive social movements, environmental groups, women's groups, labor groups, et cetera, on the continent and and listen to what they're saying, what they want from or don't want from the United States. And I think that that's a, that will change our relationship and also change our own consciousness. Absolutely. Dr. Wolf, I've got about a minute left. Go for it. Yeah, I, I like, it seems like the yeah, whole I mean, world is re- is shifting and all of these, everything is being realigned. Just And Africa's yeah, now in it. All the chess pieces are moving, right? So when all the chess pieces are moving, the way you see the world needs to be moving too, right? So that's the first rule of evaluating anyone's analytic, right? If they have the same analytic they had 20, 30, 40 years ago, and you see all the chess pieces have moved a lot, they're moving now, then they're probably going to tell an interesting story, but it may not completely capture the moment. And that's a struggle for anyone. I would say I think the frame of the discussion might be shifted. So I would look at how African development with the development of African-American populations in the country can cross-serve each other's purposes. Because I don't think that Africans are necessarily always poorer or more resource-restricted than African-Americans. I think it's two communities that need each other and need to have better access and a better position in the global economy. And so I think a way to think about it might be the diaspora with the, with, with the African development goals and how to fit those pieces together so that Africa can invest in Africa and in African-American businesses here and that African-American businesses here can invest at home and also abroad. I think that would make a more vibrant, forward-looking alternative than just sort of picking partners for Africa or trying to be helpful to from here. Because I think there's also help from that could happen. And there are very wealthy corporations, individuals and states and groups in Africa as well, which might be able to make good returns, do well by doing good, making investments in African-American communities here. I think it's a two-way street. And I think going into a intense long-term battle in the global economy, you don't want to be seeing that as one side helping the other, right? It's both sides pushing forward together, or the alliance will have restrictions and maturity issues as it develops. Parody, not charity, everybody. Pay attention to this summit. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow. I thank you, my wonderful panel. God bless you. Thank you, board operator, for a great, great, great show. God bless you, everybody. Have a great day.